field it. Every radio program that I had on during the day was interrupted with all the news coming from Pearl Harbor. Back in New York City, here's a bulletin. Senate leaders were preparing today for an emergency session tomorrow in anticipation of a message from President Roosevelt asking for a declaration of war against Japan. San Francisco, the Army and Navy went on a war basis on the Pacific seaboard today. All these were canceled, all furloughs revoked, and every man was ordered to report to his station. The day of Pearl Harbor, we were coming back to Lexington and stopped to get gasoline, and while we were getting gasoline, the word was told to us that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor, and we were shocked, just amazed. And I recall the reaction of the people there in the service station. And one man came running in that he had just seen a block over a car full of Japs. You know, I mean, it was that sort of imaginative hysteria, whether he saw someone that might have been of Asian extraction is more probable, but according the way he got the story was that the Japanese had already come to Kentucky. In the days following the attack, facts became clouded with rumors. Radio networks and newspapers rushing to print sometimes put out inaccurate stories. In San Francisco, hysteria spread at the news that a Japanese land invasion was in progress. The Associated Press reported a squadron of Japanese planes headed towards Long Island, and Boston and New York City set off air raid sirens. In Washington, 25-year-old Lindy Boggs heard the news in a phone call from her husband, Louisiana Congressman Hale Boggs. But she could hardly believe what was happening until she got another call, this time from a reporter. And he said, Lindy, turn on the radio. The Japanese have just bombed Pearl Harbor. And I said, oh, you can't mean Pearl Harbor. And he said, yes, Pearl Harbor. The radio in the car got the best reception. So I bottled the kids up, I got in the car, turned on the radio, and decided I would go past all the different embassies. And finally, we got down to near the capital. And what I always loved to do, I loved to see the Capitol Dome lighted at night. and. Just when I got there, they doused the lights over the Capitol. And it was a bitter realization that the Japanese had indeed bombed Pearl Harbor. This was the turning point. Once the news of the bombing sank in, Everyone in Washington seemed ready for battle. Even isolationist Senator Burton K. Wheeler was reported to have said that the Pearl Harbor attack, quote, means war and we'll have to see it through. Across the Atlantic, Winston Churchill sprang from his dinner table and phoned President Roosevelt. Finally, those bloody Yankees, as he once called them, would now fight alongside him. Churchill wrote that evening, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. There will be a complete blackout tonight at 11 o'clock. Back on the west coast of the United States, as fears of another Japanese attack swirled, officials ordered all lights to be turned off. Every light between the Mexican border and the Canadian border, that is in the states of Oregon, Washington, and California, every farmhouse, every light of any kind in that area must be out by 11 o'clock. 
No lights are to be used on automobiles, and no lights whatever are to be shown anywhere on the Pacific coast until 30 minutes after daylight. Japanese nationals living in the United States quickly became targets of suspicion and violence. As President Roosevelt pondered how to handle the situation, several local officials decided they couldn't wait. New York City Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia announced his plan over the radio the night of December 7th. I want to warn the people of this city that we are in an extreme crisis. We must not and cannot feel secure or assured because we are on the Atlantic coast and the activities this afternoon have taken place in the Pacific. We must be prepared for...